0: Hello, Heron. Yeah, it actually works. I'm surprised. Well,
1: didn't catch the Hello, Tom part, but it did catch the Hello, Heron. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well. I have some ideas for topics, but I don't have anything written down this evening. Well, so, do you have anything that you wanted to start off with? Oh,
0: I don't know. The, the last week has been shit. Mm. And, uh, just you know, I don't know whether it's worth talking about or not because it's just whining about life and. <laughs>
1: you know, well, you didn't really whine about life last time. You just talked about your car and your skin being removed. Yeah, well, <laughs> so. that sounds like whining about life. Very cool. Well, let's continue that theme. What, what's been going on with you this week, Karen?
0: Oh, there were two in the car thing. You know, there were two other cars involved. Yeah, that makes no sense to me. But
1: can can you explain that again?
0: Well, I didn't see it. I don't know what happens. Apparently nobody knows what happens, but two cars were traveling on the, it's a two lane street in mm. front of my house. And, um, two cars were driving side by side. One of them, I, I'm not, I don't know what happened. They're still arguing about it, but
1: is it a one lane uh, street or did they just decide to drive along? No,
0: no, no! There are two lanes in each direction. Oh,
1: okay, okay, that makes more sense.
0: Yeah, okay. and I was parked on the side of the road, okay. and somehow they collided, and one of them hit my car. But uh, they're arguing about whose fault it is, and so nothing's fucking happening. Mm. You know, uh, I, I don't know what's—I I don't know. And
1: but yeah. in the meantime, you have a new car. Well, you have an old oh, car. Yeah, but you well, have a car. I've got a car. Yeah.
0: So yes. well, I mean, I can get around. It's just that uh, you know. There's a thousand, my car is basically, my old one was worth maybe a thousand bucks. Mm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind having a thousand bucks in the bank that I don't have now that I spent on the car. And and that then it's beginning to look like this could drag on for months.
1: That's the nature of insurance. That's that's this whole compulsory insurance nonsense. Yeah. yeah. Basically you're forced into doing it and then they're forced keeping your money away from you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So
0: anyway, it's just, you know, tiresome. And uh on the skin thing, there's some question as to whether they got it all Mm. gonna have to go back and they're gonna, you know, look at the you know, this the samples that they have uh-huh. and, and reevaluate and see whether they got it all or not i mean that that's not actually the car is more troublesome this this will get handled yes you know i mean uh i, I got another appointment and they're going to look at the you know the stuff they cut out again and, yeah and, and uh, decide what to do if there is anything else to do but i'm just really actually pretty surprised by the va you know they they keep this all the samples, mm. like everybody's hospital does, you know. Mm. And a week after the original operation, when they declared they had gotten it all, it went to review. Everything goes to review mm-hmm. a week later. And then the review, they said, No, you didn't get it all. There's still some left. Mm. And, um,
1: And they know this by the edges of what they cut from? I have no idea how they know
0: it. You know, they put it under – got it on a slide, I guess, and they put it under a microscope and somebody looks at it and says whether or not there are any cancer cells left in that sample. Hmm. Yeah. So, And so it's a matter of – it's a judgment call, you know. I mean, I'm sure that when you're looking – there are cases where it's not clear. Certainly. You know, what the fuck kind of cell that is. Yes. You know, so so I don't know. That one doesn't bother me. Actually, the car is more troublesome. It's just yeah. I'm just tired of that and wanna,
1: and I I want to get them both over with, you know. Certainly.
0: Yeah, anyway, it's just um just a fucking pain in the ass. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's funny these things how they just completely drain all additional energy. I mean, it's amazing the kind of impact that these kind of things have on, on one's life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It it definitely has brought my energy down. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but uh I imagine it's you know, I mean there's really nothing I can do. So I mean I you know, it's just about coming back to my senses and you know, just moving on and you know, I'll get the money for the car or I won't. I mean, even there's some possibility that it that I won't get anything, you know. Which
1: seems quite extraordinary since clearly you were no way involved with the yeah, circumstance. But
0: if they can't come to some agreement you know, um, um, the two parties that were involved, well, the two, yeah, you know, I mean, if they can't come to an agreement as to how to assign blame, then I could end up just getting fucked on this thing.
1: So in these circumstances, can the police, or are the police useless in this circumstance?
0: Well, th- that's the thing is the police report apparently couldn't decide what, you know. So I mean, the police
1: report was vague, basically.
0: Well, yeah, well, it just, it said they, they, you know they they got two stories from two different drivers, and that's what they got, you mm. know, so i mean and the evidence uh isn't really clear as to whose fault it was mm. i mean yeah because basically you got two cars with the sides their sides hit you know mm. uh, who hit who mm. yeah you know? it's the one person says he hit me, the other person says "No, he hit me. You can't tell by looking it's
1: surely the sandwich car. The car that basically impacted not only one car oh, but yeah, also impacted yeah, yeah, your yeah,
0: car. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. It's got damage on both it's clear which car hit me. That's mm. not the question. The question is who caused the
1: accident. Mm. So How would it be pop- So one car so the assertion of the car that didn't impact you was that the other car swerved into it and then swerved into your car?
0: I, I get I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. But I mean I'm assuming they're trying to, each trying to blame the other, you know? Yeah. In the do you feel
1: you? I mean, if, if this thing extends, do you feel that you need legal representation in the circumstance? No, it's not worth it to that. I mean, it's a thousand bucks.
0: Yeah, you know? I mean, a thousand bucks would be nice. Yeah, uh, but uh, I'm not going to devote my life to this. <laughs> you yeah. know, I just want to get it over with. You know, and a couple people have offered to buy the car for me. I may just sell it underneath them. You know, and just get rid of it. Yeah. Uh, so. I don't know. Anyway, I'm just, you know, it's just this... I, I thought I would be done with all of this shit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and it's just dragging out. And, yeah. and um, you know, and and really talking about it doesn't make it any yeah, better. But
1: I think this is a common problem that many people face. I mean, certainly the nature of problems that don't have defined endpoints and just kind of continue on its like a thorn in your side yeah. seems to be... I mean, this is a you know, relatively normal thing that normal people are burdened with and the methods in which one enacts. And look, I have no, I have no savior light here, Heron. My experiences are uh, of excessive energy consumption on things that just either, you know, fizzle, burn, or just continue to be a thorn in my side. So I can't offer any meaningful advice here, but aside from the fact that this is just unfortunately the burdensome nature of existence one of the benefits that i find however is having spent people having spent people having spent time with people that have excessive amounts of wealth they are even more messed around by this stuff because it happens almost <laughs> continuously us, yeah. us slubs yeah are in a thankful position to really pick out well i mean the car case well in both cases you can't really pick your battles here but this isn't at least caused by, you know, malicious people that are looking to defraud you, which is considerably more frequent with people that have money. Well, certainly my observation was yeah, was about that. Yeah.
0: yeah, I you know, I, I this will pass and um I'll either get paid for the car or I won't and life will go on. So yes. it, it's just you know, <laughs> it's just, it's just that time. On the other hand, other things are going well. My weight thing is going down. I went, got under 170 now. Congratulations. And, um, probably, well, I don't know, probably going to go down to 150. I, I don't know yet. We'll just wait and see mm. what, I, what it feels like. But, um, but, you know, as far as that's going, and and like I say, the cancer thing, that's going to get handled. I mean, exactly. if they have to go back in, they'll go back in exactly. and and cut out whatever's left, and and that's you know. Although I've talked twice to the surgeon, and he thinks, well, he, he wants to see the the slides himself. Certainly, uh, yeah. And, and uh,
1: you were contemplating, was it back surgery or something like that? Oh, some at some stage? point, yeah, yeah. But well, you're going to try it with. I wasn't 170 your your
0: point for well, well, that was sort of original. Well, I never really had a set goal. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I was thinking if I can get down to 170, that would be amazing. So mm. I'm under that now, but I can see that actually there's still quite a bit of fat left. Yes. Uh, and I really don't need any fat, actually. You mm. know, uh, biologically speaking, historically, uh, there's some, you know, precedent for storing fat. But in this culture, that's sort of pointless.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, it's a difficult circumstance, I think, because you get so many, you know, you get so many messages associated with these things, and you have to constantly question the nature of the studies and the things that go oh, into no, it. No,
0: I don't. I, I, you know, I read stuff, I see stuff. Uh, mm. I, you know, it changes
1: all the time. Well, you know, <laughs> so. well. Yes, I guess. I guess, but if you're hedging your bets, it's an interesting. Which oh, yeah. Well, I, I take a shitload of
0: vitamins and mm. supplements every day. Mm. I take probably 30 pills a day. No, no I'm I'm well aware yeah. of this, Sarah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I stay up on that stuff. But, I mean, weight loss and, and all – I mean, really, the whole health thing. I mean, you know, I take it all with a grain of salt, as mm. they say, you know. There are some things that are fairly well – I mean, like vitamin C and
1: uh, – well, there's a lot of stuff, I think, that's fairly well – Documented, now. but then the discussion becomes how you actually consume it, because there's Oh, yeah.
0: yeah, there's different opinions exactly. about everything, you know. Yeah, yes. so, so I've got my regimen. You're sticking to what, you're <laughs> yeah, know. And, yeah yes. I got what it, you know, and and all things considered, it seems to be working okay. So, yes, <laughs> I mean the cancer came from my days as a Beach Boy, certainly, and um, the car accident. It came from me being in on <laughs> on the internet at the moment Yeah. <laughs> so yeah all in all I you know i can't really complain the fact that i've been feeling like shit for a week or two yeah uh is just
1: you know I guess it's just part of my monkeyhood yeah.
0: you know it still responds to this kind of shit you know
1: yeah well speaking of responding to this kind of shit i think it was wednesday night i got time from work and this never ending project with work seems to be continuing into the foreseeable future. I mean, there were certain promises made. I'm going to actually take Friday afternoon off, so we'll have to record earlier in the week next week if we, if we record or if I'm able to record. Yeah. But, um, so I'm trying to take little smatterings of days off here and there. In fact, the following week as well, I'll also miss out on Friday because I'm taking a few days off there too, just to try and get some sense of normalcy back. Uh, but I came home from work Wednesday night, kind of fell out of the, the car, and noticed as I kind of tripped and stumbled that there were two kittens under a car on the street and went over and was able to lure both of them out and then spent about an hour coaxing one of them into a cage. The other one, I got in the cage initially and then they found a route out of the cage and ran off and I thought, okay, this is it. My wife, in about five minutes, was able to coax the other one back into the cage with a cat toy so in the process of wrestling the one that escaped however it bit me through my knuckle quite badly (laughs) and it was quite impressive actually because it really was shooting blood everywhere and i came back in and i washed it and peroxided but it's terribly swollen and it has a fever which i've i guess i've experienced occasionally you know injuries that get warm but this injury is quite warm Really? so yes I've reflected and of course they went off to a shelter the next day and no kill shelter they'll be happily adopted the white one in particular had one I think one blue eye and one green eye it was quite attractive so no doubt oh, yeah. that'll find a home and, and its sibling will no doubt find a home either with it or, or in a similar time frame but I reflected on what causes a large ape-like creature to, you know, go clumping after kittens and catch them? <laughs> and, and this whole yes. thing struck me. that, And it's associated, yeah. I think, with my psychology that the nature of my work currently obviously gives a great degree of pleasure to a lot of people. And I can actually track that on a daily basis. So in some regard, I get a sense of, you know, that I'm doing something. Yeah. But in the other sense, in terms of my general humanity, and my spiritual advisor has done quite well out of this deal associated with a sewing machine that she's enjoying currently, and I got her a replacement necklace for the one that was stolen seven months ago. These kind of things. But um, in terms of my general humanity, I don't feel that I'm executing necessarily maybe to the frequency that when I wasn't working so, so much. So rescuing these kittens was a little reward for me in some strange yeah, yeah, bleeding yeah. way. Well, it's doing something yeah. good. For the <laughs> universe in yeah, some regard. Yeah,
0: absolutely. That these
1: kittens will not be crushed on the street, but will yeah, be adopted yeah. and, and found out. No and, doubt eat, so. and eaten in somebody's living room. For Potentially dinner. so. Yeah. You know, I have small children that pull Torture. their whiskers yeah, and, yeah. you know, these kind of things. But, you know, better than dying under the wheels of a car man. Well, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. But it's your way, and so, that's yeah. enough. <laughs> well, that's the interesting <laughs> thing, actually, because they spent they spent a morning in my podcasting room. My spiritual advisor said, well, you've got to bring them in, and this, your podcasting room has space in it. Why don't you leave them in your podcasting room? They did two large turds on the rug, which have been cleaned up. But just the sense of these creatures, you know, transitioning through our space mm, was quite yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I've also been on a kick recently associated with production, which has manifested itself through our conversations, putting our conversations out, but also short funk. And I was thinking of doing this evening, which is one of the reasons that I don't have written notes a reflection on the number of listeners that we have in different parts of the world.
0: Ah, because this yeah. is a
1: kind of new-to-podcasting thing that people do. They get very excited when they start a podcast, and they realize, oh, we're having listeners in these areas, these areas, and these areas. And then I realized when I was setting up this evening that I couldn't actually do that with Stoneate, because it's on the Noble 8 website, and the Noble 8 website gets viewers from all over the world. Yeah, But the software, unfortunately, for the XML feed that we use for Stone Ape, I don't think I can get the countries that are actually hitting that specifically. Yeah, But there are a wide variety of countries that seem to be downloading audio, or at least... Actually, there's one way to do it. I can put up a test audio file, and then... Well, actually, it's slightly more difficult. But there are ways in which I could do this thing. Yeah, But what strikes me is the distinction between... And you, you put an appeal out last recording... Yeah. For listeners to get in contact with you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no big response. No, and this is what interests me actually <laughs> is that we've got a Facebook group that's heavily frequented by a group of folk that will post things and talk about things and point out, I think most recently that Charlie Rose still has a show apparently. Um, but there are, for every one of those, I assume just through the unique IP addresses that there are a hundred other listeners. That never make contact, but just like that, this thing is there.
0: Yeah, that sounds reasonable. Yeah, that's just there. They listen to it and mm-hmm. uh, go about their
1: business. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's curious looking at countries like Chile and the Ukraine and these kind of areas, mm-hmm. and thinking that there are, there are probably people there that are listening to what we do currently. Well, I know there are people mm-hmm. in both of those countries
0: that yes. are listening. Yeah, yeah, it's um. Well, you know, I don't worry about too much. I assume that there is a an audience for what we do. There are a, are a number of people out there who are have something enough in common with you or I or mm. both of us that the stuff we talk about makes um, some contribution to them. And you know, if it's whatever percentage it is, that's okay. Mm.
1: Now, I woke up this morning having had <coughs> a a very nice dream. I typically have constructive dreams associated with various problem spaces. But for whatever reason, I dreamt about a a long journey that my wife and I had with my grandparents. And my grandparents were at a kind of archetypical time in their life for me, which was probably when they were about 65. And I guess my wife and I were at our current stages of life, so it was an impossible dream in some regard. But also featured a number of the nice experiences that I had with my grandparents when they were in their mid-60s which was travelling through these areas and, you know, staying overnight at various places and then going on to other areas. And I woke up from that dream and immediately uh, picked up my phone, as I want to do in these circumstances because I get work-related stuff, and flicked to my other phone to find Facebook. And my cousin, my youngest cousin, had posted her boyfriend's musician page or had asked me to like her boyfriend's musician page. And I had read the day before... You see, I'm starting to... There's a new generation of podcasters that are coming out currently. And I kind of lament this, or I've mm. lamented this in previous recordings. <laughs> but there's this new wave of podcasters that are strictly about the business. The business of podcasting. The business of podcasting. The business of, <laughs> oh, of influencing. Yeah. Kind sure. of, yeah. They failed in blogging, or they have existing blogs, and they're looking at podcasts as a means of augmenting their traffic. Yeah. And I'm I've kind of being thrust into this group. Primarily because I was recorded on the pathetic. Well, there is no group.
0: A group exists in no place but in the mind of the person who made up that concept. Well, that's just a. It's just an idea that somebody's got in their head. Yeah, represented by a group of people. Yeah,
1: represented by a group of people that share this idea.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, there's no, there's no objective anything behind that. It's just somebody picks out certain aspects and lumps them together and gives it a
1: name and <laughs> <laughs> people actively choose to do something. And I think the thing that I'm missing here is what was the kind of causal connection that got just such a large group of people that have a kind of group oh. talk yeah, mentality. What, what, yeah.
0: When you say, I mean, how many podcasts, I mean, you're saying there are a lot of podcasts. No, what I'm saying is that I've now been
1: introduced to 20 odd individuals that have only started podcasting in the past three months. Mm-hmm. And of this group, they all have, all have aspirations to give up their day jobs and continue <laughs> with podcasting. Oh, okay. Good good luck. But, and the truth is, however, there are all these websites that I find myself, because I listen to you know, this podcast as it kind of evolves, and I think, well, where on earth are they getting their information? Then I check out this podcast, and you know, the first thing is market your podcast to friends and family.
0: <laughs> and this, that'll go a long way. This yeah. is
1: this is my concern here. So seeing this <laughs> post from my cousin that I should go and like her, her you boy, really worry about these poor idiots. It's not that I worry about them; it's that they. T- <laughs> my view is that pod- And this is look. This has been going on for a decade with me. Podcasting has a form, and it has a form which gives it a degree of value. Well, no, podcast.
0: Well, every podcast has its own form. Well, it, there's no form to podcasting.
1: Well, let me put it this way, Heron. You might be, you might feel that by curating and putting audio online, that you are enacting something that is unique to you. But my perspective is actually in gathering the audio and putting it online, Mm -hmm. you are contributing, particularly if your podcast is available through iTunes, Mm -hmm. to a means of either engaging with an audience or Making sure an audience says, "Oh, that podcasting thing—that's so—you know—five years ago, every podcast I've ever heard is oh, but, crap." Yeah, but that's all. Yeah. So no, but my view yeah. is that if if someone goes to iTunes, yeah, and every single podcast that they listen to is crap, yeah, and fizzles out within five episodes. We're going to lose an audience, or we've already lost. No, yeah, but an that's
0: audience. already, that's always been the case. That's 95% of everything is bullshit. 95% of the books that are written are bullshit. Well, per- bullshit.
1: So what? Well, That's just a game we're playing. The books are a failing. We've already Well, music,
0: same thing.
1: Books. Well, music's more interesting. You know, I but mean,
0: it's, if, 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 well, it depends on what you want. I mean, most people have never even heard Bach. At least, not knowingly. <laughs> you know,
1: they had so- toothbrushes sold to them with parts, but yeah, they didn't yeah. know it was parts. Yeah,
0: right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, I mean, you God. It pisses me off too, but <laughs> there's just, there's just nothing to do about what's out there. The people, the brain damaged language monkeys that inhabit this planet. W- well, we need to replace them with,
1: you know. Well, that's exactly my point. I mean, yeah, that's exactly my point here. But in in you can either look to the future and project into the far future and say, I only hold responsibility in talking about the future, or you can look to what's going on currently. And, look, this is, is a perspective that has existed in me in one form or another for more than a decade. We can explore this, but I don't think we can discount that there's merit in this. or oh, merit. It, no, listen, it, yeah.
0: all view, all stories... Almost all stories mm. have useful aspects to them that, mm. that shed light on parts of the puzzle. Mm. You know, anyway, every story.
1: Yeah, as as we can laugh about the notion of passing your podcast on to friends and family, or trying mm. to get your friends and family to listen to your podcast, <laughs> that just seems laughable. It's, but it. no, it's extraordinary. But this seems to be like <laughs> the problem. The problem with the truth. Is that, as we well know, there are a group of language monkeys that will hang on to the truth. Oh,
0: I know, I know. they're
1: dying, dying. You know? Yeah, I know. That's yeah. why you can't really – at
0: least in my opinion, you can't attack the specifics. It has to go to the, the – the only real solution is at, at the linguistics level is reprogramming the language machine. Because even if you could change their mind about a particular topic, if you haven't cut the underlying situation that creates that kind of nonsense. It's just going to create something else again.
1: Mm. Well, I guess my other concern is Kickstarter, in it's like that transition. We will return to my yeah. cousin a little, a little later.
0: Good conversation really makes a huge difference in my universe. <laughs> um,
1: well, you know, it's true. I mean,
0: I, I really wasn't looking forward to this you know i I'm just thinking probably most people would find a reason to cancel yes. <laughs> you know oh, but believe I, don't,
1: I I've had a similar <laughs> I've had a similar week, but i my view is as it's going to be difficult to record next week, and it's going to be difficult to record the week following damn it, we could scramble a show out of this mess, yeah. no matter what happens
0: yeah yeah anyway it it really um it really makes a difference, you know, having just a sort of Open, unguarded conversation. Hmm. Um, that, that, I, I think that's relative. I mean, it, it, I think that's the kind of thing people call best friends or something. But hmm.
1: well, that's that's just language.
0: Well, well <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, no, but but it, it's interesting because I think it's relatively rare
1: in most people's lives. It's curious because I, I the car service Uber I use periodically for various reasons. And I have a standard. How much co- does it? How much? Because I've, I've had
0: occasion recently to. I haven't tried it, but I'm thinking about it. Uh, it's
1: about. It's about in our area. It's about a third to a quarter the price of taxis. Oh wow, that's great! So okay. it's like it's. I work is ten miles away, and it's like nineteen bucks.
0: Nineteen bucks for ten miles. Yeah.
1: Well, if that's
0: only on occasion, that that certainly beats walking or taking the bus. Exactly. I mean, that's my feeling. In any case, (laughs) but
1: I have have conversations with Uber drivers and when I, and a majority of them as they, you know, we part ways, say that's one of the best conversations I've had in a long time. Mm. And my perspective is actually to have a good and interactive conversation with someone is a skill that I think is almost certainly lost. Or being lost with regards to our current you know, and it's it's some part is introversion, some part is technology. There's a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, yeah, I think
0: most conversations I suspect, or at least what I hear, are really superficial. Yeah. Or if they're not, they're under great stress. Yeah. You know, I mean they do talk they do talk about real shit, but they have to be really on the fucking
1: edge
0: to to, to do that (laughs) yes
1: (laughs) but now the quality of a good conversation i think has a number of parts it has to be interactive but it also requires at least one or ideally two cognizant parties that are sufficiently dynamic in order to not just have like a same conversation no, it has to be by someone who's capable of thinking to a some degree. Well, I think there's there's a dynamism <laughs> in a good conversation that should catch people unawares, and I think that ability yeah, to find yeah. Un- ah, yeah, yeah, you it's know, surprised, because, <laughs> yes, yeah. And I mean, certainly, I mean, my spiritual advisor said that this was you know one of the things that she found with me initially was that I had this conversive ability, which was completely yeah. unlike. The American male in yeah. general form.
0: And yeah. Yeah. I wonder sometimes what other people talk about. You know, I mean, mm. it's, it's, I mean, when I see it work, a casual conversation is yeah. just fucking really
1: shocking. <laughs> yes. Well, I don't know. I mean, my perspective associated with the conversation. I mean, this is one of the reasons that I record podcasts is that it can be not only life-changing, but it can be amazingly uplifting. And people are very receptive to this. Or maybe I just cultivate audiences that are receptive to the kinds of conversations that I like. But, yeah, it is an interesting... And it comes... In my, my past, it comes from being around a variety of adults that aren't particularly receptive or necessarily positive associated with my existence and my narrative. In fact, you need to almost have this environment where people are in no way working towards your best interest, where you have to try and turn them almost mm. in order to get through these circumstances. And when you have that in a non-confrontational form, you can have a nice conversation. When you have it in a confrontational form, which we've accidentally stumbled into on a couple of occasions through these recordings, yeah, then it's actually like a martial art. I mean, it's actually designed... Not only to disarm the opponent, thus Gendo, uh, but also get them to a point—not necessarily of submission, but at least of, well, I've got to check my shit before I before I interact with this person in the future. Uh, And yeah, it's interesting the way in which these things can turn. I'm very mindful that, in particular, in points of confrontation, this is a. Subconscious reflex, really, right. which I'm utilizing in, in, you know, normal conversation. Let's return to Kickstarter though. All right. Kickstarter is another form, very similar to podcasting. And I feel relatively passionate. I've never been a Kickstarter explicitly, but I think it's an amazing ability for a group of people with relatively outlandish ideas to see these ideas funded and to actually create yeah. new and interesting technology. Absolutely. It's an awesome idea. Yes. But then you have people, <laughs> for example, like KMO, who pollute this form by putting out Kickstarters that they have no interest in completing on. You know, they have no interest in actually following through. And this week, actually, I received a book, which I funded 962 days prior to receiving the book. So for roughly three years, likely under three years, <laughs> I have been waiting on this book to finally... In fact, I started putting YouTube videos up about this, yep. about... A year and a half ago just saying this project is a failed project this person has no interest in completing this project in fact by putting those youtube videos up i held the individuals accountable and actually did things through that period yeah because i was actually <laughs> responding critically to all the nonsense that they were putting out it was almost memorializing their lack of intent and satirizing their lack of intent on one part, but also saying, no, I've put in 60 bucks into this thing and you guys better yeah. deliver. Yeah, yeah. We had a deal. You, yeah. I put in 60
0: bucks yeah. and I get this, but yeah. I didn't get that. You got the 60 bucks. Yeah.
1: And in the case of KMO, it was 120 bucks and that was enough for me just to say enough. Yeah. You know, yeah. And I feel the same way about podcasts. I feel that if the form is tarnished by people that come in, have these beliefs and these strange oh, intents, yeah then the mechanism that i've invested a decade of my life in putting out content
0: i yeah see i wouldn't worry about that in the slightest i mean th- this just goes on in every technology you know uh, it- some people will be turned off and turned away. That's okay. All we got to worry about is the people that are listening to us now.
1: I don't disagree with
0: you. You know, we just – well, and again, I don't even see any point in worrying about them. <laughs> <laughs> Those lousy, lifeless schmucks. No, no, it's not that. It's just that because I'm not doing this for them.
1: Yeah, true, true. I'm doing this for me. But the difference between something which is organic – and I guess here – I've been unusually lucky with model rail radio. This was a form. Yeah, you, yeah, you're right. It exploded. Yeah, but you, you didn't blow it though, see? That's yes. the important part. Well, yeah, I mean, that's where it gets very interesting actually. So returning to this idea that what you need to do is get your friends and your family interested. <laughs> I, I spent. Well, that's better than nobody should. Well, you know? this is the thing. This gives the false impression of growth, right? This gives well, the initial. No, it just, well,
0: it is better than nothing. If you can get one person out of your 455 cousins and aunts and stuff mm. to, to really get fired up about it, they may find somebody
1: else. Well, this is where it gets interesting. You see, my perspective is that, yes, it's wonderful initially to get an ins- assurance of growth. Here's the other funny thing there is well, no assurance. Well, here, let me, let me put this in yeah. This. Feeling of concern here comes from this podcast that I participated in. Guess how many people like this podcast's Facebook page, Harry?
0: Uh, uh, first of all, which podcast is this? The Perfect
1: Your Podcast podcast. Yeah. Okay. How many people do you think like oh, this? I have no
0: idea. I, I don't pay any attention to those kinds you of things. You need to. Couple hands. hundred, it's couple thousand, uh, six, I don't people. Know, six people. Six <laughs> people.
1: <laughs> so not even all the guests. I'm <laughs> one of the guests that didn't actually like see, the But Facebook that's program. not
0: necess- again that that's not necessarily indicative of anything in particular. I mean it may be. Well, <laughs> it's certainly
1: something to note. But I don't know, basic promotion? I don't know. Anyway, so what I did this morning was, I, I. it was relatively early in the morning and I woke up and I had energy from this dream associated with my grandparents and my spiritual advisor travelling yeah. around various parts of Australia going to a wedding that we never actually got to because I woke up before we arrived at the wedding. And I decided what I will do is write an itemised response to my cousin, but rather than writing to her through the message thing, I'll post it on her Facebook page and say, here's my experience producing content. This is what you can expect if you produce content on a regular basis and you have the benefit that you're not actually reaching to your friends and family, you're reaching out to a far broader community that will just discover the content and decide whether or not they like it based on that, which is what I wrote in response. And I've had no response back from that. But whenever I encounter folks that have this strange kind of, not necessarily marketing pitch, but just they've been told information which is curious to laughable and we've had a bit of a chuckle here that there are oftentimes are quite cogent counter-examples which no doubt they will pay absolutely no attention to but at least one can s- express those counter-examples in certain circumstances And true i don't waste these counter-examples on on a lot of people but in certain circumstances maybe someone will be receptive to this form and someone might actually pay attention
0: well, I assume that that's exactly what's going to happen. That yeah. you know, ni- I, basically you can, as far as I'm concerned you can just throw away 95% of just about everything. Certainly. It's bullshit, yeah. you know. And and then and most people, and that includes most of the people listening. So they're 95% of that. That leaves oh, you yeah. with 5% yeah. uh, to deal with. And they're pretty you know, pretty savvy yeah. people, you know. <laughs> and i that's why I think, you know, I think we just have to do what we do. Yeah. And um you know, and if anybody finds value in it, it's because they're one of us. Yes. <laughs> you know, yes. and if not, they'll go away. Yes, eventually. You know? and, 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 but, well, or not, whatever. I mean, it, again, it's not – I mean, the only reason I'm here is because I really don't have anything better to do than talk with you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this yes. is one of the highlights of my life. Yes.
1: Very good. <laughs> you know? And I look, I mean, to be frank, Karen I enjoy talking with you as well. I think what's interesting here – is teasing out some of these ideas over a long-form conversation that we can return to. And the beauty of your cognitive dissonance, let's call it that, is um, that we can have the same conversation every, say, five or six weeks, and you come up with a completely different perspective. (laughs) Yes. So for some of our listeners, which is interesting, actually, because you'd think that would get boring, but the fact that you provide a different perspective every time... Means that actually we had the same conversation, but completely different outcomes. How much can I trust that
0: statement of yours? I mean, I mean, I I actually aspire to that. I, I, I mean, I I feel you know like really sort of flattered by that comment. Yes, but I'm wondering uh, just how true that is.
1: Well, I think. Th- True, it could be my responsibility to go back and archive the shows and point out conversations where they went in completely different directions. I mean, like I say, I like the idea. I am I'm. mean, what I find curious, actually, is is part of it also, I mean, maybe my quality of, of, you know, cognitive what-have-you has also deteriorated over time. Well, it just could be your style of listening, you know. Perhaps. But, I mean, certainly there will be stories which are told afresh, which are actually being recited in the order of 8 to 10 times. I mean, I said 120, we're at 130 now of these recordings. Uh Okay. And I think through this, the interesting thing is, in order for (laughs) short-term listeners will find certain things enthralling, certainly the comedy aspects are there. What interests me is actually at the time of recording and even sometimes at the time of editing, I don't see the comedy aspects actually being there. It comes it to me sometimes when I listen to it like a third time uh-huh. or sometimes when I come back to it. And I, some of it is I find actually laugh out loud funny, like I'm not actually a participant in it, which is very yeah. curious. Yeah. yeah, But, yeah, we do explore similar areas and we do... Here's an interesting point. I, I found this today and I thought I might as well raise it. I was in, in getting up and getting ready for work and all these kind of things... A New York Times article flashed before me, associated with the fellow in France. Who is originally from Poland, which means I should think of his name. Who was convicted of having sex with a sixteen-year-old? Roman
0: Polanski. Roman
1: Polanski, and the headline, and this was in the. Yeah, New... I saw
0: the same thing to yeah.
1: today, right? Yes, right. you, yeah, you right. saw the expedite. Yeah, that the France would not expedite. Polanski. Oh, yeah, right, as opposed to Extradite. <laughs> Extradite, yeah. And this stayed online for about five hours. <laughs> and I thought to myself, this is one of these curious experiences ah. that you have where you realise that <laughs> actually, at that given point in time, you are better <laughs> in <laughs> in understanding, at least, or having some un- yeah. intelligibility of language than staff and probably multiple individuals at the New York Times, which is supposed to be some pinnacle. Yeah.
0: Well, shit happens, you know. Sometimes they just fucking blow it, you know. Yes. It just it happens, and that was a great example. So,
1: yeah, my spiritual advisor and I had this kind of game of how long will it take before they actually put in the correction. And like I say, it was in the order of six hours. Yeah. Which it was a pretty high fairing. Well, of course,
0: the the, the, the the effect of all that is absolutely nothing because people who know the difference get a chuckle out of it and people who don't don't even notice it. Yes. <laughs> but it's quite clear what it all means. I mean, everyone knows what that means. They just, they're not quite clear on what the word
1: is. Well, you see, the thing is that if they, if there was something <laughs> that they could speed up, but this thing happened in 1984. So clearly (laughs) there's nothing that's being expedited associated with any of this. Yeah. It's just clearly the wrong word. Yes, there's no doubt about it. But (laughs) the other thing that's interesting about this is, I don't know how much you know about the Polanski case, but it's an interesting question associated with the rule of law. I mean, Polanski spent a considerable amount of time in prison associated with this offence. Yeah, I mean, maybe not the length of time in prison that, you know, certain drum beaters would like you know, in this day and age. But what happened was he had a a judge that just kept adding time onto his sentence. Yeah. And he got fed up with it. And towards and the end of the yeah. sentence, it they sucked. added more time. And he said, screw this, I've got means. And he left the U.S. Yeah, yeah, damn right. Yeah, that
0: was a witch hunt, man. That yeah. was uh, clearly, yeah. And it's interesting because... That's interesting, though, how we... You know, Roman Polanski is a sort of sympathetic guy, but some sleaze ball <laughs> who was preying on his next door neighbor's daughter—you yeah. <laughs> know—that's not okay. Well, I mean, how how do we decide? You know,
1: d- well, the hypocrisy of that—I mean, that is the nature also of the psychedelic community, which I've lamented in, in multiple recordings here. That the difference between the psychedelic community and you know some black guy in jail is associated with the psychedelic community being exclusively caucasian exclusively upper middle class to upper class and living a lifestyle which enables them to explore these substances whereas you know the kids the kids on the street you know smoking Oh yeah they're weed. different universes Exactly yeah, yeah
0: that yeah Compton and <laughs> yeah. Beverly Hills exactly. are on two different planets <laughs> but
1: It's interesting because when you when you take that perspective, and in particular, I mean, my, I, you know, I have a, an interest in the psychedelic community as much as the psychedelic community has an interest in me. And the concept that there is this kind of class. What the race, hell does that mean? Well, that means
0: from, <laughs> from, from,
1: from my early developments of Noble Ape, and I've talked to Doug Rushkov about this explicitly. You can go back, I think it's a 15th anniversary of Noble Ape, um, recording that I did with Doug Rushkov. We talked about something that he would told me 10 years before where he said the reason that artificial life people and the psychedelic community have always had overlaps is because it's about exploring new and uncharted worlds. Yeah. And the kind of mentality that the psychedelic folk have associated with trying to document their experiences and trying to You know, move it into like some rational understanding or some extreme spirituality or somewhere in between. Yeah,
0: or do, yeah, right. Exactly.
1: Is, is very similar to the folks that actually create these artificial worlds and then, you know, create visualization and these kind of things for it. Similar minds, basically. Yeah. And there are people like uh, Tom Ray, who is actively, I mean, he spent a long period of time in the Amazon. He's actively gotten money from, you know, the Grateful Dead Foundation and he's an active psychedelic. Researcher, and he's also developed artificial life. Obviously, we have Bruce Damon. We've got a wide variety of folk that have, you know, straddled both yeah. communities. Yeah, uh, and the psychedelic community has always been very <laughs> sympathetic to my work with no Aid, And I'm, you know, I'm sympathetic to their plight as well because ultimately my view is that there are so many paradoxes mm-hmm. within the laws associated with these substances that. It's almost a satire of the legal system. See, but I, who gives a shit about
0: the legal? In the long run, what happens is well, <laughs> you, know, you know what happened. Compton,
1: yeah. Yeah. they create, well, for now, no, yeah. you're
0: right. Yeah, for now, it, it's 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 a nightmare. But I mean, clearly, the, the solution. Well, there is no solution under the present system. You know,
1: it's, it's- interesting because if you look at the legalized states. In particular, the distinction between Washington State and Colorado. Washington State is about, which has played out in Canada as well, it's illegal for individuals in Washington State to grow cannabis. The only people that can legally mm. grow cannabis in Washington State are mm. either those that are licensed by the state
0: yeah, that's or, or stop. those that's that dope. have medical yeah.
1: cards. Guess yeah. what happened? Guess yeah. what happened? The yeah. lobbyist from Washington came to California, lobbied our governor... To enact legislation to create the pathway for that to occur in California as well. With the description that, what they are doing is making this whole thing more palatable to the federal government, which is so surreally extraordinary. (laughs) You have these curious things where, unless you're paying attention through this process, these kind of missteps, well, irrespective of one's interaction, these missteps will occur. But you know, in the long term, this could create a very strange creature, which ultimately already kind of exists in California. But you know, could project this thing into a direction which is not.
0: Well, that's the that's precisely the change we're talking about. There, you know, the the legalities of that law or some other one. <clears throat> you know, we're headed for a new world. Yeah. You, you know, the, the, in a sense, that all that's. I mean, that's. Relevant for right now, but in, in the next decades, this is irrelevant. Mm.
1: You know, However, the, it will slow – my concern is that there are things which will clearly slow down a movement to what we are talking
0: about. Well, maybe not. They might just uh, speed it up. I, see, I think it's unstoppable. I think mm. it will be exponential, that it is exponential, mm. and that it will continue to grow exponentially. Mm. It's just that we're very early in the phase, right? Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. I could be fucking crazy. We return to
1: (laughs) a notion that we need to record a caterpillar-butterfly discussion at some stage, which I think embodies some of this stuff. Because my perspective anyway on the caterpillar-butterfly discussion is a discussion associated with where, obviously, cars will be total, skin will be cut off our face, but where we should invest our energy to kind of maximize... Maximize is probably the wrong term here. To feel... Once we have a sense of the future, once we have a sense of the potential for the future, then there are certain things that each person that has experienced this sense can enact in order to improve the chances that this thing will occur. This is... You talk about inevitability, but there's still a time component associated with inevitability, right? There are things that will slow down things. say, Say that again. So... You talk about inevitability. However,
0: I talk about inevitability. You just
1: did use the word oh, inevitability. Yeah. Oh, okay. Three of course, or four that's all part of my story. Come exactly. On. Yes.
0: <laughs> you know, yeah. Go, okay, all right. But, well, but so once we keep it in perspective. Certainly.
1: That's why I'm returning to what you say. <laughs> <laughs> Which is always very curious, actually, because every time we have to stop and I refer or I just say. Well, what but it's say.
0: important because yeah. otherwise it sounds like that's the way it is.
1: Well, I guess my perspective is that. If we look at this in terms of potentials and probability, the current narrative that we are provided, particularly through the media, but also that a wide variety of people clearly believe. I mean, I interact with a few folk on Facebook who just cause me to shudder (laughs) associated with, in particular associated with the political process. Yeah, see,
0: again, but you know, th- that's just what I expect. There's no point True. in getting bummed out about that.
1: I guess my view is that not necessarily associated with conversion, but I'd like to see certain things enacted within my lifetime. And in order for those things to be enacted within my lifetime, I need to be either in contact with or very heavily in tune with Well, you have to design your process very carefully. Exactly. Exactly. And when we talk about probabilities,
0: when we talk about... See, see, that's why I'm in no big hurry Mm. to get my stuff into the world. Mm. I I, I need another 20, 30 years, Mm. (laughs) you
1: know. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. We had a conversation... Well, we've had it periodically, but we were talking about Bob Bottram's influence on the development of 8, I think, last recording. And my perspective is that there were certain things that I did leading up to that, and similarly with Apple and Intel, that I didn't think about explicitly, like, well, I'll do this stuff and then these people will arrive, but I did with the hope that in doing these things it would be more receptive to people getting involved. And I think it's an interesting perspective that through there I had kind of not necessarily probabilistic judgment, but I just knew that I had to change my behaviours in order to make things more receptive to others getting involved. And it's one thing to have a conversation on a weekly basis and these kind of things, but it's another thing to actually have a group of people that are not only sympathetic to the ideas that you're putting out, but are actually in their own lives enacting meaningful change (coughs) in this light as well. Yeah, yeah. And this could be done very passively associated with how you create. And, you know, I mean, there are people that I've talked about in a relatively negative light historically that have been very successful in doing it in their own lives. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, in that regard, I, you know, respect what they've done. But in other regards, I have concerns, particularly, I think.
0: The well, sim- you know, you're talking about, I mean, this is what I'm looking at, Certainly. you know, is how to take whatever it is I've done and package it and yeah. put it into the world in such a way that it's palatable for yeah. people. And, um yes, that's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly the job that's before me.
1: Mm. <laughs> Yeah, and part of it also is when you do things for other folk. And I'm going to talk about this explicitly with regards to this. I've, in various recordings, you'll hear lamentations in this light. But it more, it probably is a greater indication that I should have learnt from this considerably earlier. Bruce Damer, Bruce and I worked together for a period of about, oh, maybe six to eight years, associated with Piota, and this re- meant on my part reviewing many hours of audio from Bruce, helping him with his PhD, all this kind of stuff. But it also created a format and a structure, which ultimately I took from Biota and used in model rail radio quite successfully. So it wasn't all downside. But if you look at the front of Bruce Damer's site, damer.com, this eight years of work that I did with Bruce very closely, including countless hours of audio recording that I put out to people, is nowhere to be seen. In fact, it's completely expunged, basically, from his current history. And I thought about this very strongly because I knew through this period of time that this could actually happen that working with Bruce Damer was not a surefire way to get my ideas out to an audience and in fact in many ways it was kind of symp- sympathetic to Bruce's aims rather than cementing any of my aims and I learned a lot through this process but I realised through this process that I shouldn't engage with individuals who so clearly are not as aligned with, you know, my ideas or what have you. And then I'm just basically helping them along for a period of time. In the things that I'm looking at doing in the near term with Ape, a lot of that is infrastructural. It's associated with me changing Ape in such a way that new audiences or new interested folk can get involved. When I think about open source, for example, this is very curious because I invested a decade into open source, well, maybe eight years before I got the rewards that I got through Apple and Intel. And in the short term, the rewards that I got through Apple and Intel were relatively, you know, ethereal. I mean, particularly associated with street credibility and open source. I mean, what does that even mean? However, when I got the job at Netflix, then that was based on that work. And although that's created a circumstance currently where I'm, you know, not working over weekends and a variety of other factors, it's completely changed my perspective. And it's not necessarily pragmatized me, but it's put me in contact with a wide variety of really smart people who are smart in a plurality of fashions. And I wouldn't do things differently. I mean, who I actually,
0: are these people, these smart people? Are they listeners here?
1: Uh, some of them are.
0: Oh, good. So good. it's actually
1: <laughs> really curious, the conversion rate that I've had in recent times, because as people get to know me professionally, and I think there are more folks that listen to <clears> short <throat> funk than listen to Stone Ape. But short funk is seen as kind of a, a gateway drug to stone ape in some regard. So yeah, people do listen accordingly. And it's curious because in the, in the medium term, it's meant living back in the Bay Area, although basically living in a hermitage, as I tend to do, having periodic contact with interesting people. But it's still this kind of stasis with the view that I, when I have time, I continue to develop noble ape, but it's with this hope of this, kind of hyper-learning that I've had through the period of time that I've been here, that I'm enacting things in Noble Ape accordingly. And that may be completely disconnecting from a future audience or it may completely align with a future audience. I'm yet to see that. But what I'm putting in Noble Ape currently is associated with great simplification. So set the ideas not yeah. necessarily back, but in a way that people can interact with it very well, you're
0: doing an entirely different thing, and yeah. your you know your goal is different than it was before.
1: No, it's the same goal. It's just using different mechanisms for a similar goal. I mean, oh, I think okay. that's what's interesting. Yeah. We were talking about this last yeah. week. All right. Yeah. The, the, the ideas of no, shows the flexibility of language, doesn't it? <laughs> well, mm, in some regard, it's, it's actually there's actually an underlying problem with understanding. It's not a flexibility of language. It's actually associated with. And it was interesting, I was listening to one of our conversations, which I think might have been that one, where I think you were going in a completely different direction. We had to kind of realign it. (laughs) But yeah, certainly in the near term, and this is why I'm interested next year. I mean, the music stuff I'm working on currently, I'm still having some flirtations with writing. A number of my peers at Netflix have said to me in recent weeks, in fact, they say it to me pretty well. I mean, there are these conversations they've had, had throughout my time at Netflix. Wouldn't Noble 8 look good here? Or wouldn't Noble 8 look good here? Or why don't you put Noble 8 here? And through this, some of those things I've been able to work on. In fact, one of the greatest pieces of feedback that I got associated with Noble 8 that I did enact was putting the graphics of Noble 8 together with the command line because they used to be two separate things. And you're not a user of the command line, and more power to you, Heron. But for people that come through this command line indoctrination, the ability to have the two things together is really powerful, and there's an audience that has command line skills, particularly those that want to, you know, get deeper in the simulation and actually get it, it this. The outstanding aspect with Noble Ape has always been visualisation, and I've looked for artists. I mean, Stone Ape has, at various periods, kind of been a lamentation associated with my trying to find artists. But <laughs> now it's coming to a point where you know, eventually this idea, this thing, will get a critical mass. Now, what form that takes, the 20-year point might be a good point to do some critical assessment on that. I don't necessarily know how sympathetic, you know, folks might be for me taking off an amount of time to work on that, but there are certainly ways in which that can be enacted. And it's interesting, and you similarly have a long-term project, which has (laughs) floating and you know, exposing goals. I mean, you've talked about a variety of things. Yeah, sure. But you, the learning through this process and the experience that you have through this process needs to seriously inform your decisions. And it's curious actually talking about... I was asked a question by our listener, Paul Brian Hancock, who also listens to Short Funk. And he asked me basically, if I was to do it all again, what would I do differently? And the standard response that you get from politicians and rock stars and all this kind of stuff. Ah, <laughs> oh, do nothing differently. I do it exactly the same way. Yeah. And like they'd never even thought this. But I actually played this thought experiment myself quite
0: yeah.
1: on oh, but But it's
0: so pointless because you change one little thing and you're in a different universe. Well,
1: in some cases. <laughs> I mean, the, what interested me was uh, the thought of, well, if I'd stayed in Australia... I probably would have some way come to podcasting. Like you implicitly have Oh uh, yeah, but this is just all a story. Well, yes, it's just a story. Well, and your existence is just a story. Right. Through this as well. Now you're getting story. it. Exactly. Now you're getting it. I'm not asserting anything different Heron. <laughs> okay. I guess my view is that sometimes you will come to points of change. Sometimes they will fall in your lap. Sometimes they'll hit you over the head. But it's in these points Uh where you need to appreciate, and this is the thing that I find, the more language monkeys I deal with, (laughs) the more I realize that this is a, it's like a the language is almost like a parasitic condition.
0: Well, it's certainly pathological the way it's functioning now. And it needs needs to be reprogrammed.
1: The nature (laughs) of having choices at almost every circumstance that you can enact Meaningful change in your own life and in the life of others is something that I find very empowering. And yet most of the people I'm exposed to are so stuck in these narratives, which are ultimately designed to just, you know, reduce <laughs> yeah. them to a.
0: You know, That's why it's not worth arguing with them or debating them the only way you can do is not yeah. you know, what you can do is i don't remember who said this but you dig holes for them to fall into yeah. and then in the process of climbing out of the hole they may learn something yeah <laughs> you know? so have fun with them uh, provoke them uh, don't be logic well fuck listen to me <laughs> Never mind. <laughs>
1: yes. Let's take a few minutes to explore this thing called the future. Ooh. Because something I found fascinating was at these various points of time where I saw changes that could have occurred, typically associated with moving in my circumstance and what would have happened if I hadn't moved, or yeah. why I made the choice to move, or these kind of things. Yeah. The perspective of the future, each of these interactions was distinctly different. I mean, in terms of leaving Australia, my perspective of the future was incredibly hopeful. And what I had in Australia was so bleak for me <laughs> yeah, that the future yeah. was yeah. very hopeful. Yeah. And in fact, it's powerful too, isn't in it? In almost all of the times of this transition and change, even if they occurred in, in completely suboptimal circumstances, yeah. this, no- this notion of the future, was a driving force. And I wonder... How- let me ask you a question about that. Is
0: that drive for the future having to do with a specific project? Well, or when, when, is it
1: more generalized let me at answer this that. point? When we moved from the UK to the US, aside from no ape and just being me and being married to my spiritual advisor, there was no defining project that got us to the US. There was a hope that the experiences that I had in the UK, particularly professionally associated with one individual who happened to be my manager, wouldn't be there, so I would have hope to actually explore things that I have been completely stifled through this individual. That's a very curious perspective of the future versus being 22, having gone over to the US twice previously, having made contacts in the US, <laughs> including Apple's co-founder. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. a very different future. You know? That sure is and this is what interests <laughs> me that this perspective, and now it's not that I don't have a notion of the future, I guess just as I've gotten older, these dramatic visions of the future, yeah. the more motivating factors are less i don't know
0: well they're not, they're not well
1: or clearly formulated yet there's something they're just vague concepts. Well, I was kind of bourgeois middle class when I lived in the UK. But this one individual was so impactful on me over my period of time there and also defined... And also, I had a chance to look at what other jobs would be available in the area that we love to live. And this indicated to me quite clearly that there were no other jobs that would sustain me except for this one. And this one, you know, the the cost on me physically and mentally was not worth the place that we were at that time. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting, in general, The con- talking to people about what their view of the future is, is a very intimate conversation, because it explains hopes and expectations, it explains a variety of very intimate things with these people, and it's a difficult conversation to have, even with people that you know for a very extended period of time. I'm
0: I'm surprised that many people even they're basically just making it up at at the moment you ask them. I don't think they've spent much time really considering any of that shit. Mm. It's just been sort of floating around here pieces there and this and that. You bring up the question, something pops out, <laughs> and then yeah. that's strung to a whole bunch of other shit that yeah. they actually believe. Now that yeah. they're saying it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well it's them damn language monkeys telling you
1: yeah. <laughs> But I guess I guess from a gendo perspective, this is where this is where Stonian philosophy and gendo part. Of it. Really? Because I don't think Gendo has a notion of the future, like the stuff that you say is Heron Stone.
0: Oh yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. Uh, I think probably Gendo is I may take a lot of the the philosophy out of it. Yeah. Uh, as, I mean, I don't know yet, but, uh, that'll certainly be there. And (laughs) for the, for the customers who came for the most basic of reasons, I'm assuming a few of them will see
1: further potential. And, uh, but part of, but part of, yeah, it's interesting because part of the pitch to obviously some potential future customers let's use that terminology, <laughs> is associated with a better future. Oh, hell yes. Yeah. This can change your fucking life. You learn how to think. Mm. <laughs> you know,
0: what do you think? You think that might make a difference? Mm. could. Yes, but I
1: guess it's interesting because the prediction of the future that you provide in the Estonian philosophy Ah is a considerably more: that's long just a person that's
0: just my personal exactly but that has nothing to do with Gendo exactly I mean I mean with Gendo, you can come up with a lot of different stories yes. that's the story this other stuff you're talking about is the story I came up with Yes and but that's not Gendo that's just my story <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> but I do like my story, and I think I think it's I think it's a a story worthy of consideration but Gendo is part
1: of your story about the future as well.
0: Yeah, I guess it gets pretty convoluted, you know, when you start analysing it. Yes. And using language to analyse language gets tricky real fast.
1: My perspective of the future when I was 19 was that Noble Ape would be a long-term project. When I wrote about it formally in 2004... I projected it would be about a 50-year project from then. <laughs> I think initially I said 25 years, which would give me another five years to work on it. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, in 2004, I said 50 years. <laughs> and it's interesting because if you give yourself a long period of time, yeah. the short-term goals are less, you know, they're, well, obviously you create, there are short-term goals. But the nature of a long term project is you kind of It's
0: building a solid base. Mm. It seems to me. Mm. Is that
1: that's the first job. Mm. Ideally a solid philosophical base because the to project what technology is going to look like in five years' time is almost impossible. To project what technology yeah. is going to look like in 20 years' no, time. No, you're
0: right. Well, to me, it's an epistem, well, it's Gendo. It's, yeah. it's really an issue of an epistemology yeah. that people can no longer afford to be unconscious epistemologers. Mm. It, it just doesn't work.
1: Mm. Yeah. It's interesting because in addition to these ideas, there is a notion of an audience as well. And ideally also active contributors. I mean, this was one of the things that I optimized for with Ape early. And although I've lamented over 20 years, maybe only eight of those years, well, practically only roughly three of those years had very active participants. And about eight of those years had contributors that weren't directly aligned. I mean, the stuff that Intel was producing was fascinating, but they wouldn't give me code back and the kind of people working on it were working on it for their own very specific purposes. Yeah,
0: right. Time. Yeah. Yeah. You were just, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah. no,
1: I, I was, I was to be studied. <laughs> and when I went and talked at Intel, that's exactly what they did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the room was full of people over the past eight years that had used Noble Ape and I was there as the creator of this thing that they had yeah. used for that length of time.
0: Well, that could have been quite interesting. It was very
1: interesting. <laughs> yeah, it was bet. well more than interesting, actually. Yeah, I it was bet. quite surreal, in fact. Wow. And the other thing was that the <laughs> Intel that I saw was an Intel that had floors of empty cubes. I mean there's a phenomenon associated with open source that's not frequently talked about, but basically after the bust, after two thousand, two thousand and one if it weren't for open source, technology would be a very different thing because if they actually had to pay for engineering resources over this period of time to do the development that open source gave to them, there wouldn't have been enough, you know, coal in the in the stores, so to speak, to keep the whole thing chugging along. So open source came at a very opportune time for companies like Intel, to a lesser extent Apple, obviously, you know, the rise of the likes of Google. If there wasn't open source software there for these companies to pick up and utilise, if they had to actually pay for the research and development of these entities, there wouldn't have been anything. So there's an interesting history, and this certainly struck me when I walked the, the empty floors at Intel, was that when I used to go into Intel in 2000, 2001, it was still full of people. But now, when did I go, 2009? Huge sections were completely empty, and they were completely empty. There would have been a section... That created processor optimization and analysis software, and instead they use my monkey simulation. <laughs> you know, and if you translate that, you see that there's a huge cost yeah. saving for these companies.
0: Sure, of course, yeah, that's great progress. Yeah.
1: <laughs> in some regard, I mean, I, I finally get to cash in now, but certainly while I was developing the min- monkey, minky, monkey simulation, when I was developing NodeLite in the UK. On ten-year-old technology, even though I'd come home every evening, and much to the bemusement of my spiritual advisor, would invest a couple of hours working on noble ape, and then you know walk away, and she'd say, "Well, what do you have to show for that?" Well, now, fifteen years later or ten years later, I can say this is what I have to show for it.
0: Sure. <laughs> I've never. I'm still trying to explain that. You know, epistemology is really difficult to yeah. explain. Yes, I mean, I think.
1: I think. My father went through a period, he was at UCLA, but after UCLA, where he tried to take some of his life's work and make it meaningful to business in the U.S. And for a short period of time, and here we're talking maybe a couple of years, maybe three years, he went to a variety of business conferences and tried to explain to them how using his sociological principles would be very beneficial to their businesses. hmm and he was successful for that period of time doing that while also being an academic. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, actually, because, I mean, you well, and what I... what happened after that? he just stopped doing uh, it? I think he... What happened after that? He just came got, back what, to Australia. What? He came back... Well, I think the curious thing was that, basically, my father had made a decision when my brothers... Well, he, he really didn't... Well, it's hard to even talk about this, but he really didn't want to have more children. In fact, he really didn't want to have me. So, in his professional life... There was a period of time, particularly from the late. He had, 80s,
0: he had a sort of personal commitment to a particular professional
1: life, right? Well, he's gone through transitions through his professional life. He started out being a I have one neo-Marxist, perhaps post-Marxist Marxist. I oh, know, but one, I mean, very lebarian, few people define
0: themselves that politi- politically at all. So no, but he invest- yeah. He went into yeah.
1: unions. He investigated. Okay. You know the, the folks that came after Marx and how they impacted social theory and what that meant to union leadership, and okay. could you translate these things,
0: and then was more than just uninvolved philosophy no this was
1: yeah. this was a study, yeah, I spent an inordinate amount of time around these people as a young child, yeah um no, this was more than just, no, this was in no way abstract, this was very applied. Yeah. Uh, and then he met my stepmother, and then his stuff became associated with emotion, which is what he sold to businesses while he was doing his academic stuff as well. Well, I think he just talked to businesses for, you know, for money. Um, and then, uh. <laughs> Good gig if you can get no, it. Yeah, this is where it's interesting because I think actually, I mean, I don't know, I've never really talked to him heavily about this period in his life, but. He then moved more in back to traditional academia, but a lot of that was associated with the fact that he'd been out of Australia and away from my brothers and I for... Um, well, his mother died. I mean, maybe that was one of the early factors. And then he came back to Australia and he spent just under a decade in Australia doing traditional academic work, but again, continuing on with his emotion stuff. He flew and you know, to conferences, what have you. Yeah. yeah, he had a good life. And then he moved to the UK with a new wife, and he was then studying science and, you know, biology and birds and a wide variety of things yeah. and early writing and what have you. And um, that was his life for that period of time, and then he came back yeah, to He Australia sounds
0: like a guy I like. I think know? you and
1: my father could probably get along. He's considerably, yeah. he's considerably more... Um, Intellectually piercing. I'm very softened in terms of my approaches. My father isn't that way. He-
0: oh yeah, I like a hard edge. <laughs> so, he has softened a little bit in his later life, but there are periods of time where you can- does he listen to any of this shit? No, of course not. No?
1: Of course no? not. No, no. He's an asshole.
0: My, my family has no interest. Send him this one. <laughs> send him this clip. No, I don't. think it's really <laughs> Cut this part out and
1: send it to him. He's. I mean. Tell him I want to talk to him. No, he's not going to pay <laughs> any attention to that. What's he didn't send me a he he sent me that's a that's on of, him then. So
0: actually, at least, I, at least I could make the well. Never mind, I'll let it yeah. go.
1: I don't know. I mean, the funny thing was when he came and stayed with us, which was about this time last year. Actually, it was exactly this time last year. Um, he was absolutely fascinated by a couple of things. One of the things was the bikini model railroader. What's it called? Bikini, I think it's called Bikini Model Railroaders, which is still an active group on Facebook, <laughs> which is about there's this subgenre of kind of pin-up girls that involves trains, which was initially <laughs> an attempt of, of, like, spammers on Facebook to get into model rail radio. Was they had these scantily clad <laughs> bikini women. Actually, if you look at the Facebook page for the Bikini Model Railroaders, it's a woman very seductively licking an ice cream with a train behind her,
0: Yeah.
1: and we found this as like a spamming show. And I thought, rather than <laughs> no, this is just advertising. Rather <laughs> than get annoyed by these people, I'll create a separate Facebook group and I'll put their photos up when they try to join Model Rail Radio. <laughs> and then I realised actually that there, were, there was already this existing kind of pin-up art thing associated <laughs> with railroading. So my father was absolutely fascinated by that <laughs> and spent like an hour and a half with his new wife going through these photos and saying, oh, she's rather revealing. Oh, that's a neatly placed piece of track. Oh, good sponge use, you know, this kind of stuff. And she was looking through the various photos and there must have been, I don't know. I mean, there, there are more than 400 photos on this thing that people have contributed, plus the occasional bikini wearer that tries to join Model Rail Radio. The other thing that he found fascinating was associated with Fred Hampton and associated with my background interest in Fred Hampton because he did a meaningful exposure to Fred Hampton. And I think Fred Hampton is probably like a defining individual. When I meet people that know about Fred Hampton or at least are exposed to the murder of Fred Hampton and understand some of these concepts, this is probably the closest thing I have to a political, I don't know, like a political perspective, like pragmatic, revolutionary, um you know, just a, a view that the only acceptable way to deal this indi- with this individual is to kill them. And <laughs> I think it represents something that, once people have a degree of analysis that just... I mean, the murder of Fred Hampton has a variety of problems. It could be completely recut to something that I think would be considerably more palatable. But it is an illustration of a variety of concepts that once you see it there's no going back, like it's, if you see if you watch it to the end, you clearly have a series of interests that enable you to have an ongoing conversation with me about a variety of topics and Having my father and my stepmother you know watch the murder of Fred Hampton while they were here with me uh was very interesting <laughs> because yeah. it had a <laughs> My family doesn't invest enough time in me to have a sense of who I am. They have this view that I have these crazy political ideas. <laughs> they have this view that I'm able to create communities, but I don't, I mean, for example, my brother plays in a rock band and it's a rock band that wins Battle of the Bands competitions occasionally and goes to Sydney to play, which was my experience as a musician. Is he making, well. a li- no, t- no, making a no, living? No they're, no, they're all hobbyists. Yeah. In yeah. fact, one of the people who I picked up, his wedding was his um, I think he's the bassist, He could no he's, he's the drummer I think, maybe. Anyway a fellow by the name of Maurice who he and I had a wonderful conversation at the wedding, I then befriended him on Facebook and he continues to interact with me on Facebook so every time my brother plays, my mother will immediately post a thing associated with my brother I have a cousin that also is a musician that occasionally releases stuff on iTunes my mother always posts the stuff on iTunes everything I've done Dating back to the start of Noble 8, my mother has never had any interest in promoting.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's very curious to me. I mean, particularly, Model Rail Radio Show 100, just as a thing, involving, you know, 40 to 60 people actively, involving tens of people calling in over 10 and a half hours. um, Footage, all the kind of stuff. No interest in in that. From my family.
0: Really? No. When, when why do you have anything to do with it? <laughs> when my
1: grandfather passed away... Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah. Why Why is she even part of your life? Mm, my perspective is because the view is that I'm a bad son. Well, but who cares about them? No, no, but here's, here's my perspective. If I were to disappear from I'm not, for a year... There was a circumstance, and this is a story I've told many times previously, but I'll retell it. For a year, my mother and I were not in communication, and she made no effort to contact me. And my Mm -hmm. wife has actually chastised her. In fact, it was my birthday last year when no one made any effort to contact me. My wife chastised my mother. My mother called back a couple of times. She made no effort to contact me this year. Um, This is just my family.
0: So, What does that mean? This is, you know, we can get into some little behave.
1: This is the way that they behave. So, yeah. My perspective is and, and you tolerate this shit. Well here's the thing, let's talk about tolerate. <laughs> my view is that if if I behave in a particular way, then I just yeah. agree completely with all their nonsense. Which may appear to people to be the right choice in well, certain circumstances. It, well. But my perspective is actually by making contact, by sending them gifts, by behaving as a normal person should behave, yeah, I would think. I. Well, your concept of a normal, a normal person, person anyway. And then to have their behavior in return illustrates
0: Yeah, I think you've done that, haven't yeah, you? Yeah. Isn't that what you've been doing? Yeah. <laughs> Has it made any difference?
1: When I was about eleven and my parents were divorced, I realized that being a child of divorced parents. Created a whole lot of stigmas, which still exist to this day. Sure. I mean,
0: well, it's fucked up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: it's, <laughs> and it's not the options. ideal situation. Exactly. You have two options. You can allow this to affect you and be a thing, which ultimately I guess we're talking about now. So it is a thing. Yeah. Or you can just behave the way that you'd like these people to behave. And just ignore their, you know, the way that they behave as being in a, there
0: may be more options, may not be an either or. Well, it's not an either or option. Yeah, there may be other options. My perspective
1: is that if I behave the way I'd like them to behave, and and it's not that I ignore their behavior, but it doesn't, it isn't a burden to me. See, I I, for me,
0: good. the decision was made very earlier. I just said, fuck them. I'm sure. not going to have anything exactly. to do with them.
1: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> um, my perspective is, and I went back to Australia for my brother's wedding. I was there. I wasn't speaking. I wasn't actively. Well, that's not true, actually. I did a reading, and I was supposed to sign the marriage certificate, and because – A variety of factors. I had to do a lot of additional things in order to sign the marriage certificate. And you know, my brother said to me explicitly, "I didn't think he'd come to the wedding." And I said, "Well, that's ridiculous. Of course, I'd come to the wedding because the internal narratives of these people have never been enacting towards my benefit. They always are associated with their own perspectives, which always has me in a particular place.
0: Well, isn't that true for everybody? I don't necessarily at all places at all times.
1: Not at all. Not at all." Um it's what? certainly not the case for my brothers. I mean it's certainly not the case for other people in this in this unit. Well, you choose not to look at it through that
0: lens. You have a different lens for looking at those other relationships.
1: Well I also hear things and I experience things and what? I have a sense of this. I mean yeah. Yeah. you know, my other brother was the best man at the wedding. So No,
0: I don't know. I'm just yeah. I'm just
1: throwing out a bunch of But sh- I guess my response cool. and my perspective is to behave with them. Yeah. Not necessarily in and part of this also yeah. is the association of and um, they have this like mutually assured destruction thing with nuclear weapons oh yeah, yeah, yeah like if I behaved in any way that was negative, <laughs> it would only just accentuate <laughs> the problems that are already there as well, you know so
0: yeah see i just yeah. see, I just don't have the the force of will to mm. contend with that shit i I basically just cut i mean if people aren't actively in support of me, mm. they're not part of my life, yeah. I, I just uh, otherwise, you know I just have I don't have the strength to deal with that yeah. shit. It's I, just I not treat worth I it.
1: treat and this is interesting actually because this no doubt is some legacy issue with me. I treat everyone other than my family that way. And actually <laughs> I do it quite strongly <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah,
0: right. Yeah, yeah. I know, yeah, I know exactly what you
1: mean. Yeah. Um, um and but my choice is with my family because there's so much nonsense. uh, And also, I mean, maybe, you know, my spiritual advisor has this view that actually I'm a thorn in their side.
0: Well, of course you I are. Continue In to their
1: behave. In I continue their to world. behave normally. I continue to send them gifts. I continue yeah. to be.
0: Yeah, sure. You're just out there, yeah, yeah. poking fun at them yeah. and just sh- sh- pretending like everything is
1: just okay. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, producing these podcasts that they don't listen to. And <laughs> talking about them. That's oh, right. No, yeah, that's. Actually, it's funny because I made, a, I made a conscious decision, particularly after when my father and brother and their respective partners came to stay last year, to just reduce. That aspect, because there was an aspect for periods of time in Stone Age, mainly through your instigation, but also occasionally through <laughs> mine, where I would talk about them. And I think in particular associated with, I don't know, I mean, I'm very mindful of topics that are talked about too much. Well, you know, I just came to the
0: conclusion, well, mm. luckily for me, many, many years ago, mm. that all of my relatives, mm. you know, had had nothing for me. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. They were, they were an impediment at, at, at at best. Yeah. You know, except for one aunt, actually. There was one aunt that I liked, but she died and that was the end of that. So, um, you know, that's just, that was it. Yeah.
1: Do you feel that way associated with your son? Um,
0: I'm open. That's all I can say. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'd like to be of service if I can be. Yeah. I've, I've made it as clear as I can. Yeah. No, well, I probably, you know, I'm not going to, I've said it. You know, I've had my say. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. There's no more to be said.
1: Yes, I guess so. I guess so. What strikes me, actually, is there is so much misinformation amongst my family associated with me that actually when I interact with them, there is an element, not necessarily a satire, but at least of saying to them, look, clearly, as I am in front of you, there's something clearly false about some aspect of the story that you have been told. My uncle is a good example of this, actually. My uncle has no... In fact, all my uncles, on well, plus or minus some, but the middle uncle on my mother's side has been told a variety of bits of misinformation associated with my life. And he's told that to other people, and so it's kind of continued on. <laughs> and I, didn't, yeah. I, haven't, I yeah. didn't attend either of my grandparents. Do you want to salvage a relationship? The difficulty know? about it is that the youngest cousin that I posted on her wall associated with actually going out and producing content. Yeah. Uh, obviously, has been told a variety of this misinformation, and all the you know all the cousins have been.
0: Maybe it's time you write some sort of generalized letter to your all of your family. No,
1: members. that have you that one that wouldn't play, play out well at all. I mean, well, my, it depends on what you say. If you've been told something your entire life, and in particular, well, that's up to them. If
0: it's well, okay, if it doesn't play out well, then it then you then your path is clear.
1: Yeah, I think my path is clear. Um, I think personal interaction in terms of actually being in someone's presence for a certain amount of time. And, I mean, this is what I did at the wedding. I went to each of the uncles that were present, and I spent a bit of time with them, and I talked a little bit with them. And, I mean, my eldest uncle on my mother's side you know, grabbed my hand and squeezed it at the end. And he said, you know, thank you for coming and talking to me. Oh, good. You know, so these are humans here.
0: So you do – see, I – yeah, see, I'm real wary in – well, but in public places, then you have to play a different thing. Yeah, the it's worst has already
1: happened. All I can yeah, do is yeah. act something better. Yeah,
0: no, no, you're right. Yeah, it, it, yeah. and it, I can do that too. Well, yeah. you know, those photos of when I gave that talk at Fullerton with Marie, and yeah. you know, yeah, I like that. That's yeah. fun. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what happened to them. Well, oh, they're still out. Well, I haven't seen anything from them yeah. recently. That's right, I haven't. Well,. Good luck.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, they've completely dropped off my correspondence as well. I mean, Jason used to be a frequent correspondent with me. Um, and yeah, I think it's interesting actually because it's not that I was critical with him, but I certainly said, you know, some of the things that you're doing, particularly associated with me, not really the best, you know, and that kind of framed a lot of our communication. And, and how did he respond to that? Very, well, it's interesting, actually, because having developed a period of time of communication, there was some incident involving some friend of theirs where the friend of theirs was going to do some promotion associated with Stone Ape, I think, or something. There was some narrative associated with promotion. And then that friend apparently turned on them and all this other kind of drama. But when it was illustrated <laughs> back to me, I said, well, that was the guy that you were talking about positively, you know, six months ago. Why can't you work through these things and learn more correspondence from there? Um, I don't even know. I mean, actually, what I do get is periodic... Like, Marie's part of a large family. So I get periodic photo updates of Marie going to various family meetings, weddings, and these kind of things. So that's the uh, nature of the communication that I have. Um, And I don't know. I mean, Marie certainly contacted me early on, as as Jason did separately, different forms, and said, uh, you know, I'd really like to work on Noble 8, some aspect of Noble 8, because it was very exciting to them at various times. And that's how... They became the
0: audience for Stone Age. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, you know, the whole thing. I, I'm just glad that anybody thinks this is interesting.
1: <laughs> yes,
0: yes. You you got to be pretty weird if, well, if you're listening to this.
1: I always think of myself as I mean, supposed
0: my- to. Well, you know, <laughs> like what uh, Hawaii. 5 o or something reruns on TV. I actually watched a Hawaii. No, it wasn't it was a Miami Vice rerun.
1: Oh yeah. Well, that'll that's even better probably. That was strange because it to, it was all about prostitution. <laughs> which is a strange topic to have in like Miami. In, in well, on, on network television in general. I mean Oh, yes. That whole thing yeah. is very curious to talk oh,
0: about. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, boy, the world uh... Well, yeah, things, yeah. What's what's normal?
1: Yeah, it changes funny. real quick. It's funny coming up from a place where prostitution is legal. Yeah, because you really have a completely different. And you come here, and I mean, I don't know. I mean, I know through now my spiritual advisor's guidance. You know, they are pimps. They are prostitutes. They are constantly operating. You know, they operate in daylight here. But yeah, it's very curious because you just think, well, where I'm from, it's all so. Open but also (laughs) there's so like there's no but here it's all open too, it's just illegal, which is very curious.
0: It's insane. Yeah. The whole the world we live in is insane. It's it's ninety eight percent reflecting our history. Yeah. You know, and only a tiny percentage beginning to grasp the future. Mm.
1: Well, there's that word again, right?
0: Ooh. Which word is that? Future.
1: Future? Yes. Well, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> anyway heron look i i came to this conversation with very little in me and i'm kind of here periodically every five minutes looking up and thinking oh i'm still talking with heron so i'm, I'm probably not in a good state to kind of continue this conversation on um and I, pr- I probably need to call it a night my hope is that maybe we could record wednesday night
0: well, that, you know. Well, this, this is the high point
1: of my life. So, <laughs> um, you know, yes. uh, do what you got to do. Next week, ideally, Heron, if it's not next week, we'll, we'll, I'll try to, to make time. Well, we'll, we'll just
0: do what we do. You know, it's really your game. Yes.
1: So, uh, and you know, I'm an easy <laughs> target. So. <laughs> it is interesting, though, that you also feel in some circumstances that. Uh, you know you feel kind of weary and like what could come out of this thing but somehow when we get together it seems to work out
0: well yeah that's um well that's i've experienced that with music too mm. you know in performance mm. uh, that that sometimes in the in the reality of what you're doing uh, other energies appear <laughs> Certainly. <laughs> yeah
1: well, well with yeah. that i will say good night
0: okay good night Tom.